Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you're listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I'm your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Los Angeles, California. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson coming to us from Houston, Texas by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you, and where can the fans find you on Twitter? Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening in. The fans can find me on Twitter at the Cody Paulson. I'm doing all right. A little Sunday night baseball. I'm not going to lie. I kind of forgot that we were on Sunday night uh, this week. I thought we had the Cardinals series and... And that was it for us for the year. But uh, always nice to be able to be under the lights on ESPN, get that national uh, broadcast and attention. Terry and Charlie, how are you guys doing tonight? Terry? I am doing well. The fans can find me on Twitter, at CushmanMLB. And ESPN probably could have dubbed tonight's matchup, you know, the... uh, you know, the dumpster fire main event, because <laughs> we both are. Mets, the bigger dumpster fire, though. Uh, probably out of the playoffs at this point, and we'll be shipping off uh, Verlander and Scherzer here uh, in the coming days. But Red Sox are tied for last place with the Yankees. Uh, eight and a half games back from the division leading, wait for it, Baltimore Orioles. Both teams are two games back from that third wild card. So, yeah, and uh, about Scherzer and and Verlander, ESPN kept mentioning their no trade clauses. Do you think? Do you think Scherzer and Verlander are like, nah? I don't want to go anywhere. I love it here in Queens. I I love not winning and and not being relevant. You know, those guys will want to, you know go to a team that can contend and I don't know it'd be funny if uh, Verlander ends up back in Houston all along (laughs) I've been saying that I thought that Max Scherzer was going to finish his career in LA and I wouldn't be surprised to see the Dodgers land somebody like that here we'll completely take his entire contract we're not going to give you anything but we're just going to help you shed payroll and then we'll suck up the I think it's what 43 million each of the next two seasons yeah we'll take Verlander too We'll take them both, $86 million, and that's going to lock up the Dodgers for being one of the top two teams in the National League, guaranteed core four finale. I, if that happens, you're looking at Braves, Dodgers, possibly Orioles, and Rays for your final four. And Scherzer, I'm not going to say he's washed, but he, he's not the same guy. Gave up four home runs to the Red Sox. In... Yeah, it's his worst appearance of the year. That, that's literally what I want to chalk it up to. He's he's an incredible pitcher, super talented, and I, I can't – I mean, I was so angry years ago when we didn't get him almost 10 years ago when we decided to get Hanley Ramirez and Pablo freaking Sandoval. And I thought, wow, with all that money we could have gotten or we paid those two guys, we could have had Max Scherzer back in 2015. And this is before multiple – 200 plus inning appearances. He had 220 innings, three out of four years when he went to Washington. And I was just kicking myself thinking, man, we messed up so bad, so bad. 
probably wouldn't have ended up with David Price the next year had we gone with Scherzer nope. in 2015. And I think Scherzer definitely uh, would have been a lot better in the playoffs. But right, absolutely. So uh, why don't we start the party? Cody, why don't you go lead off here? Share with us who you had for your stud. My stud for this series has got to be Chris Murphy. Um, And, you know, this kind of sounds like a broken drum for me. Uh, I keep kind of going back to the well of the long relief or the, you know, the middle reliever guy. But when 40% of your rotation at this point in time in the season is uh, to be determined, we're trying to come up with, you know, something funny to talk about in the series preview. It's an opener and a bullpen day. Um, any guy that can come in and give you not only length but competitive innings is a stud in my book, right? You know, uh, this is, I think, what, our 14th-ranked prospect in in the farm system coming up. He's got a 1.8 ERA, right? He went 3.2 innings. I think it was, what, three hits, um, one earn, two walks, three strikeouts, and, you know, kind of kept the game in check until we were really able to break it up in the in the fourth inning. Um these these appearances are really just fun to watch as you know Boston fans that have been kind of burned by the bullpen in years past, right? To have guys to have arms come out of you know right field and not only be competitive but really kind of set the tone and and shut things down. Like there wasn't a lot of drama in those innings, um, you know, for the Mets offense, which is great. Uh, it allowed the, uh, you know our offense to rack up. An insane amount of hints. I think we we hung a career high hits on uh, Carrasco in what like three point two innings or something like that. Uh, so the stud for me, um, Chris Murphy. He's been a revelation. I, you know, I think he was what a mid June call up, and he's just been nails. Never more than two inning. I mean, uh, excuse me, two earned runs given up when he's been on the bump. Terry uh, Murphy has definitely. Uh, impressed me because if you go look at his Worcester numbers, not good. Um, you know, ERA over seven. I was thinking, you know, they called him up out of necessity. I mean, we were hurting so bad. You know, Sale was out, still is out. Uh, Whitlock was out with one of his injuries. I don't know if Houck was out yet, but you needed a you needed a body in there that could pitched some innings, and uh, Murphy has done that. Uh, I'm a little concerned. I mean, he his outing was a little shorter than, you know, what we're accustomed to with him, and uh, wasn't really punching guys out. So we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what his next few appearances bring. But again, did the job, uh, just gave up the one earned run. That was the only run the uh, Mets scored all night in the finale. And we'll see. I, I don't think they're going to be comfortable starting him anytime soon. And he is a starting pitcher. That's what he has been. So we'll see. I just, I guess what I'm worried about with him is the, you know, the second and third time through the order. And I, I, I bet that's what. Cora and um, Bloom might be concerned with, but you know, in, in somewhat of a bulk role, one time through the order, he's been phenomenal. He's better than I know. Winkowski had a, a pretty good uh, series, um, but you know, he'd been getting slapped around, and 
I, I would say Murphy is higher on my trust tree than than even Winkowski is at the moment, even based on his recent, uh, you know, good outings. Yeah, Mur- Murphy's actually been really, really consistent. If you even want to call it a blip, he's had one bad start or one bad appearance. He's been a full-time reliever since he's joined Boston. After you mentioned Terry, he was just not good in Worcester had an area over seven. And like you mentioned, out of necessity, we just needed an arm. And uh, he's really proven himself. He, I think, became the first Red Sox reliever to start three straight appearances of two innings or more without giving up an earned run. So already he had that going for him. Uh, and then you put in his two last appearances against Oakland, seven and two thirds innings, one run on four hits. Five walks, kind of not not pretty, but 10 strikeouts. His ERA was 1.69 before today's appearance, and it just barely jumped up to 1.8. So he's gotten up to the almost four-inning mark or past it three of his last four appearances. So they're trying to stretch him out and give him just that little extra bit. Uh, we needed somebody to go a minimum of three, four innings, and Bernardino and him combined for just over five I'm, I'm super pumped. I absolutely love it. I mean, Winkowski shut the door in the end of the, the was it, sixth inning, I think. Um, so let's keep riding it. I mean, we know that we're kind of a, a bullpen team right now because we don't have five starting pitchers. So if you can continue to do that, we're going to be able to at least save face a little while longer. Uh, anything else you want to add? Yeah, Cody. Yeah, and, you know, I think you you touched on a great point, right? They keep trying to extend him, you know, a little bit longer. How long can we get this leash to go? And, you know, he kind of got into a little bit of trouble, brought in Winkowski, shut the door. But each inning he kept coming back out. I was like, oh, man, we got him again. We got him for another inning. Like, each time it was just a little bit, you know, a little bit more surprised that we kept seeing him. And he, you know, kept getting the outs, kept turning the lineup over. So uh, just, you know, credit to him for, for kind of continuing to grow and learn on the fly at, you know, <laughs> the major league level for – uh, which is definitely not easy. And Murphy was in there, you know, just long enough for the Red Sox to kind of pile up some runs. And, and why that was crucial was it, it kept Nick Pavetta out of the game. And presumably he'll pitch on Tuesday uh, as the bulk guy in the first Atlanta, um, first of the two Atlanta games. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Terry, who'd you have for uh, your stud here? I am going uh, with Rafi Devers. He was 5 for 10 on the series, drew a couple of walks, which is nice to see, because if Devers is, is drawing walks, that means he's being patient. He's not you know, swinging out of his cleats and uh, had a solo home run today. Was just absolutely crushed uh, over the bullpen and uh, into those right field bleachers. Uh, he's really turned it on uh, in the last, you know, four weeks. I mean, just the last 15 games hitting 386 with a 453 on base. His, uh, his season OPS is 120 points above the league average. So, firing on all cylinders, if you're going to make a case for the Red Sox to snag that third wild card, or even beyond that, you know, this version of Devers uh, is going to be one of the vehicles uh, to get to that point. 
it's hard to do it with the inconsistent Devers that we saw in, you know, April, May, and June. So finally back into form and uh, love to see it. Cody. It was interesting to me that we never lost the home run production. We never lost the runs batted in, even when he was swinging out of his shoes, right? You know, he was up and down in three pitches or, you know, a line out in one pitch or whatever it was. And we're like, man, what is going on with Rafi, right? He's over aggressive. He's batting close to Mendoza line. Like, you know, we're like, okay, maybe there's not enough protection on the lineup or, you know, maybe, you know, he's trying to do too much press to be a leader or, or whatever it is. And this new approach, this seemingly quote unquote revamped Devers, which is really just kind of the Devers we knew and, and grew to love, which was a patient hitter waiting for the mistake and being able to flick pitches that are not hittable to the monster or, you know, deep into right field like he did tonight. I mean, obviously that ball was up and in and he just turned on it, but um, it is just great to see Rafi kind of settle back into the player that he has always been for us here in Boston and not feel like he needs to do anything extra and kind of lead by quiet example. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily a super vocal leader. We haven't really kind of had him in that role long enough to understand, but uh, it's just good to see him turn it on. And obviously he is uh, a special offensive talent. I don't think we're ever going to see, or it's going to be a really, really long time before we see somebody like Rafi Devers again. Um, if anybody had the opportunity to listen to him in the third game, he, it's it's like he's a kid the whole time. It's like every day is a fun day for, for Rafi. He's laughing. He's sitting around. They're asking him what his relationship was with Alex Core, And he goes, huh? Just like a kid would respond, you know? And he goes, oh, Ale, Ale. Like he, he, it clicked when they, he realized it. He's just having fun every single day. And I think if he's able to bring fun to the game, he's going to start destroying the baseball. Terry, you just said his batting average is, what, 386? In the last 15 games, yeah. That's stupid. That's absolutely dumb. I mean, last month he was hitting, uh, you know, over Mendoza. You know, Cody just kind of talked about that for a brief moment. The last couple of months he's been building one month after the next. And the month of May was ugly as sin, was not hitting home runs. He had, like, one big home run day he had the two homer game against san diego outside of that only one more home run for the whole month it just completely disappeared but now this month he's 20 for 54 before action tonight hit an absolute bomb to right field at fenway park um it's just you're starting to see what 300 million dollars should get you and it's an elite hitter that is scared of nothing swings harder than literally anybody you're ever going to see He's just super exciting, super fun, and he got a hit in every single game. He's trying to do everything he possibly can to help his team win games. So, perfect. Uh, anything else? Yeah, Terry. He he was mic'd up tonight with uh, ESPN, and his English is good enough now to where he understands what they're asking him, but he, you know, he typically will still respond in Spanish, and... I can't wait to see, you know, the English speaking Devers at some point because he's probably going to be the funniest guy on the team, I feel like. And, you know, you see it just in his in his demeanor. You know, he's a fun, happy go lucky guy, you know, when things are going well, at least. And uh, so I I just can't see. I, I don't know. I, I just can't wait to, to see that. 
When David Ortiz first started playing baseball, I don't remember if his English was all that great either. He, and he didn't go by David Ortiz at the time. He went by David Arias. So some people may not even remember that. Uh, that's how that's how far back we're going to go with this one. But um, I think that's something that comes in into time because Masataki Yoshida, before he was, uh, um, you know, before he played today, he was given an interview with uh, Perez in the dugout, and he was answering the questions through a translator. And then one of the things he responded in English. So I think Masataki Yoshida does speak a little bit, but not enough to where he feels comfortable. And I will never blame somebody for not wanting to speak in a foreign language if they don't feel comfortable. You're a professional athlete. You're not there to speak the language. You're there to play a position or play a game. As someone who spoke English as a second language, I completely understand and I completely get why they're doing what they're doing because they're going back to a position of comfortability. I don't think it's right for anybody. And I'll say, I don't care who it is. If you're going to insult someone for speaking back in you know their native tongue because they're comfortable, shame on you. Not saying you're doing it, but shame on you if you do. Because you have no idea what it's like to have to speak in a full, give an interview in a foreign language. Yes, you're speaking the language of the, you know, that's the most commonly spoken language in that country. But that's not why you're there. You're there to play a game. And there are universal signs and codes that everyone can make regardless of what language they speak. There are multiple languages that are spoken on the Boston Red Sox. There are multiple languages that are spoken on multiple baseball teams. I'm never going to call anybody a dud just based on the fact that, you know, they, they spoke a, a certain, um, certain language other than English, because you know what, at the end of the day, if we really want to know what he's going to say, we can find out. It's not that hard. It really isn't. And believe me, it's as, as difficult as it is for them to have to do it. It's 10 times more difficult for us to have to do it in what language they speak probably uh, naturally, just period. So I'm, I'm very vocal about that. I've, I've, I've shared, you know, the fact that English for me was a real struggle. It was very, very difficult because if you speak another language first and then you go to English, the words of English, like when you're putting them together are actually inverted. They're all wrong. If you're speaking Spanish or Portuguese, Italian, one of those languages first. So when you learn English after having learned Spanish or Portuguese and Italian, and you think it's going to click, it's absolutely not going to happen because the order is all inversed. I can go on and on, but I will shut up. With Yoshida, though, it's probably harder for him because he's learning a new alphabet, and so I very valid. I, I think Devers is going to be further along, but I do think there will be a day where Devers is talking to Jemai Webster, you know, in English. They're going to be bantering back and forth, and and it's going to be hilarious. I, I I hope that the first time he does that interview, like they ask him a question. And then Devers responds to the translator in English. And then the translator starts saying what he said in English. And it's like, what? Oh, uh, okay. Like one of those kind of funny moments. That'd be kind of cool. But you know what? I think everybody should just enjoy the ride. Appreciate that. It'll take time. Enjoy the journey. When it happens, it'll happen. And it'll be awesome. It'll be biblical. He's still going to be slaying it in five years, six years for the Red Sox. Easy. So, Yeah. Um, anything else that we want to add about Devers? Right on. Cool. So my stud for this series, and I am shocked because I've bagged on this man and I, and I owe him a major apology is Tristan Casas. And it has been the Tristan Casas show, uh, in this series, six for 10, that second game, two home runs, his first multi home run game. And he happened to get it against Max Scherzer, one of the best pitchers in the last decade plus 
that's an incredible moment for this kid. He will never forget July 22nd, 2023. I hit two home runs against Max Scherzer and they were not cheap. One was just moonshot, just dead center, just perfect. Hit it right on the button. And for the rest of the series, he's been doing great. Still had three singles, had a triple, five runs scored. I feel like we're talking about Jaron Duran when we hear five runs scored, but just he's getting it done. The only the only at-bats that didn't go for hit were strikeouts. So the strikeout numbers are still a little bit eh. But you know what? If you strike out four times, you hit two home runs in a 10 at-bat you know, series, uh, the, you really have to be mindful about what you're going to insult and what you're going to call out. This is someone who just did not it, – it just wasn't clicking. We were calling for him to get sent down because he was hitting 150. And just this whole month of July, tearing the cover off the ball, um, he's been destroying everything. So I'm going to continue to ride the high. I appreciate Tristan Casas doing everything he did this series because without him, I don't think it would have been as enjoyable. Uh, but that's that's my stud right there. Cody, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's he's putting together good series now, right? It, it used to be, oh, man, maybe we can just string together a couple of good at-bats. Yeah, he drew a walk. Great. Now let's make contact. You know, we were trying to take baby steps with this guy. And, you know, credit to the front office for sticking with him, not giving him a phantom IL stint, not sending him down with an oblique strain or, you know, I'm putting that in quotes. Um, and, you know, he's another guy that had, had kind of had to learn trial by fire at the major league level. Um, you know, we definitely saw the growing pains. You know, there were starting to have some murmurs coming out of the clubhouse, which is super um, unusual for this organization. And, man, I know you hit home runs in bunches, but this is this is a different level of bunches. You know, I think he had, what, three in, in the Cubs series. Um, the offense didn't go to Oakland, so, like, whatever. And then, you know, two uh, yesterday. So, you know, it's it's been really nice to see. This is a guy that, you know, Red Sox Nation is kind of looking at as a potential cornerstone of the infield, a cornerstone of of the future. And if we can kind of, you know, we don't need him to be hitting 350. Uh, but, you know, if he can hit that 250 with two home runs out of, you know, a series, heck, I think a lot of us would owe apologies like we have for Duran. We're going to be writing a lot of letters here as Red Sox yeah. Nation pretty soon. Yeah, the Costas one was the biggest one for me. Um, multiple hits, multiple games, multiple runs scored. I, you know, you're right, Cody, a home run every game. In that third game, he didn't start. He was a pinch hit home run. So why he wasn't in that game to begin with when he was hot and literally – three or four, I, I don't remember if it was multi-hit game both times, but um, why you're, you're sitting hot bat like that blows my mind. You know, you lost game two and they ended up winning game three. They just ran away with it. But um, yeah, I mean, this is a, a potential interesting cornerstone piece. Like you mentioned, you got Casas at first, Devers at third, Marcelo Mayer maybe in the future, maybe a year away. You have Trevor Story at second, and then you have your outfield already set too for the most part. You got Duran, Verdugo, and Yoshida. So now it's okay. Now we need to get a bona fide catcher to support Wong because Reese isn't, you know, Guara's not getting it done. The other guy's not getting it done. And we just need pitchers. I think this team is so close. We're so close. Charlie, uh, Terry. I, I think you got a static attack coming on uh, by the sounds of it. Um, but anyway, um, Charlie made a good point. Uh, you know, Scherzer's not going to, uh, well, Scherzer won't, but Casas won't forget that day. 
um, you know, that he, he hit two off of Scherzer. And Scherzer's one of the three greatest pitchers of this generation. Verlander is the other, and, and Clayton Kershaw is the other one uh, beyond him. All three of them have three Cy Youngs apiece. Verlander, in my opinion, every, the audience, you know, if they've listened long enough, knows I, I think he's the greatest, Verlander. And he's got the most rings of the three. Scherzer has one, and so does Kershaw, but 2020 doesn't count. Um, so, yeah, so it was a big moment, you know, for Casas to to take him deep. And when you when you look at Casas earlier in the season, I mean, we all bagged on him. Every. I think just about every one of us wanted him sent down just so he could regroup, clear his mind, and they kept him up. And, you know, I think they got a lot more cautious with him. They sat him against uh, lefties a lot more often. And gradually, you know, he got into his groove. And I don't think it can get any worse. I think he's experienced the lowest of his lows at this point. I don't think he's going to go on a slump nearly as bad. Now, he's off the charts right now. He's hitting well over 300, uh, you know, with the average, and his OBP is over four. And, you know, that'll come down a little bit, but the dude is really is really taking off and it's good to have Turner, you know, to, to play first against those lefties, but man, he's, he's on missile lock right now. He is just crushing the baseball and, and if he's not crushing it, you know, he's getting timely hits to, to keep the line moving as this offense has done all season, really, you know, I mean, this offense has has bailed out the pitching staff big time in ways that it doesn't happen for the most part. I mean, you've seen teams with great offenses not make the playoffs because the pitching has been trash. I think the Angels are, are a good example. You know, you got you got Trout and Otani, but the pitching just falters and, and they, they don't make it. So, so uh, you know, I talk about Devers being a you know, a big possible contributor for an October run. And uh, I, I think Casas could be another piece of that. So great series for him, hitting every game, six for 10, uh, drew walks in two of the games. So we'll see what he does. I wonder. I wonder if Hein Bloom's call, if his text messages, email inbox, whatever. I'm wondering if he's fielding any Tristan Casas phone calls. Would you give him up? And I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't. And also, I, I didn't think he was going to struggle this year like he did out of the gates. I, I was one of the optimists this season and this off season. I mean, and he was basically untouchable to me. But there were so many people willing to put him in a trade package, you know, to send him to the Marlins to get one of their starting pitchers, whether it was Lopez or that Edward uh, Cabrera. But yeah, he's uh, he's been solid.
Absolutely. Um, and I have been very wrong about him um, for the last month or so. I mean, we were all really frustrated because we wanted things to start going in our direction. It, it just it took a little while. And I think people just forgot that patience is a virtue and you you got to wait. You, you, some some of these things you just have to wait. And this was one that thank God we did because had we packaged him and we're watching Tristan Casas hitting moon bombs for another team next year. This is, I mean, Terry, 30 home runs is not out of the question for this guy. It's very possible. What's he at right now? Let's see. 14 or 15, I think. He is at, yep, 14. Wow. He's only got 36 driven in. I feel like it's been way more than that, but. Well, his problem is that he hasn't really knocked in a lot. Like he'll he'll hit him in bunches. If he's getting his runs knocked in, they're usually coming by way of the home run. So that's that's really been the thing. If you take away his home runs, he really hasn't been knocking in any runs with people in scoring position. At least not this month. You have to go back to June to to see any of those games. So it's it's been it's been tough. It's been really hard, but hopefully a sign of things to come. Um, a couple other. Honorable mentions for this series. You had, um, you know, obviously we talked about uh, Jaron Duran briefly earlier. Four singles of stolen base, another home run, three runs scored. Had a weird situation where he was picked off on one play, and then there was a situation where he went from first to third, then the ball was overthrown. It looked like Cookie Carrasco interfered with him, preventing him from, you know, allowing him to score. And it, it brings back. 2013 World Series vibes where he probably should have been awarded home because when Duran gets thrown out trying to score basically from first, um, you you want to think that maybe, uh-oh, this, this could potentially be some momentum going the New York Mets way. Luckily, it didn't go that way. We we're, were very, very lucky. A couple other names, Brendan Bernardino, two and two-thirds, five strikeouts, only one earned run, and James continuing to be elite seven strikeouts only two earned in six innings of work <clears throat> excuse me oh on three hits anybody else that you gents wanted to mention Joey Rodriguez uh, continues to be dominant uh, coming back from injury as well so uh, pitched tonight in the finale one inning uh, got a strikeout in there but some of his appearances lately, he's been punching out uh, more than one batter. So uh, it's it's rare. I mean, if this continues, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say that he's arrived necessarily. But if this run continues for him and and Bernardino continues uh, what he's doing, how many teams have two extremely solid lefties out of their pen? It's uh, and the Red Sox certainly haven't in quite some time. Right. You'd have, we'd have to look into that one to find out. Uh, right on. All right. So let's shift into our duds. Uh, Cody, why don't you hit us with your dud? Oh, man. This is always my least favorite part of the show, especially after uh, after good series wins, right? You know, like we had just mentioned, a lot of studs to pick from. Um, my dud, a little bit of a cop out here, but I think some attention needed to be brought to it uh, is Alex Verdugo. Um, you know, uh, 0 for 7, I think three strikeouts and a walk. Um, only played two out of three games. Maybe he got that third game off as just like a mental breather from from Cora or you know something to kind of get him to figure it out. But he's been he's been slumping something fierce recently. 
Um, last 30 games, you know, 246, and and the smaller the sample size becomes, the worse numbers uh, those end up becoming. I think he's hitting, you know, 127 over his last 15 games, and the guy just kind of looks lost at the plate. I don't know if he's, you know, not seeing the ball out of the hand well or or what's going on, but um, I mean, you know, he's the catalyst of this offense. He's the heart and soul. He's one of the engine guys. You know, this lineup is doing very well. You know, we talked about it in previous shows, top five in a lot of important offensive categories. And, you know, clearly this team can still put up runs in bunches, put hits together like you wouldn't believe. Um, But, you know, this lineup looks a lot more scary and a lot more dangerous when he's in the mix and contributing, you know, opposite field doubles, you know, moving on the base paths. And I I don't know what he needs. I don't I don't know, kind of, you know, what this this prolonged slump, I think, you know, Terry mentioned it, uh, was one of the longest, if not the longest of his career. But uh, if Ferguson can get right and the rest of the uh, offense can keep humming, you know, we're going to be cooking with gas. Absolutely, Terry. It's the biggest slump of his career. It's got to be one of them. I mean, the dude is just not hitting well. Uh, 0 for 7 this series. Let me... Let's just keep going backwards here. Last series, he was 1 for 11. Go back to the series before that. Uh, 1 for 8. I mean, this is painful. Like, he is just not hitting the ball. Go back to the first A series. Well, that was his last good series. So, uh, you know, first part of July, he was 4 for 8 in that one. Um, Multiple hits in both games that he played. So... It's been since then that, you know, he's uh, been in uh, a steady rhythm. And um, so hopefully he figures it out. But um, he certainly uh, lost the leadoff spot to Jaron Duran, uh, it looks like. I mean, Duran just absolutely cranking right now. I think hitting 317 uh, on the season and a sample size that gets bigger by the week every time we come on here bigger sample size so hopefully Verdugo uh figures it out I mean he's he's a a good hitter probably somewhere in the five through seven part once uh once he uh you know once he gets it back together you know what's crazy is I actually just had to take a quick look uh at Verdugo you mentioned seven for 55 one 127 batting average and outside of that Oakland series where he went four for eight, he's three for 47, which is bad enough for an 063 batting average. He's in in the midst of a one for 22 span. He's had one RBI in his last seven games. He has not scored a run and he's actually struck out in all but one of those games at least once. So the strikeout numbers, which has been something that isn't an issue for him, is starting to creep up. He's walking all right, but the batting average, it's just, it's completely disappeared. It's just, he wasn't hitting home runs last month. He only hit one in the month of May. He went from a 276 to a 316 clip. He had a couple home runs in in July, but two of his seven hits are home runs, which is insane. I, I really don't know what to call or, or what to make of it. I'm, I'm hoping he can bounce back because he's in the process of potentially hitting the worst he's ever hit. And it doesn't seem to be getting better if he's, if he's not able to put the bat on the ball. 
Uh, a 127 month is something you're going to want to forget about, and that's definitely something he's going to want to forget about as soon as possible. But if he needs to take the extra, you know, day or two days off, whatever, take it because we need him back. And he did get, uh, you know, a day off today. Um, I think he'll figure it out. I mean, one of the things I love about Verdugo is how calm he is in the batter's box. Just very calm. It's not like he's even in the batter's box. It's just like he's just standing around, you know, just taking it all in. And I don't know how many times we've seen Kike Hernandez in a high leverage situation. And you can tell that Kike is pretty amped up and, you know, it affects his plate discipline at times. And Verdugo's just never that guy. So that's what gives me the confidence. He'll, he'll eventually figure it out and start, you know, making pretty good contact again. I mean, he's on pace still to hit the most doubles he's ever hit uh, in his career. So We'll see. I gave a take that he could be traded at the deadline. And uh, this cold streak, maybe maybe it makes Bloom a little bit more open to that. So we'll see. Well, I certainly hope it's not the case because, you know, for obvious reasons, you don't want to trade away the last remaining piece and the, the Mookie Betts deal because really then you're left with Connor Wong. You know, it just, it's... He basically gave Mookie Betts away for nothing, and it's, you know, he's doing all right. He's doing his thing. I mean, all the former Red Sox players that are playing for the Dodgers are doing some some big things over there, which is, you know, disappointing. But then again, Justin Turner for us is doing things that he wasn't really doing his last year in L.A. So it kind of it, it, it ebbs and flows, and that this is just one of those situations. But to Verdugo, I'm, I'm with you, Terry. I think he's going to figure it out. He will bounce back because the guy's a gamer. He's, he's a stud. He's a star. And um, it's just going to be a, bad, a matter of time. And when he clicks back in, we're going to completely forget about this bad spam. Uh, why don't you hit us with your dud? My dud is Heim Bloom for trading Ryan Brazier, who is hitting 138 in 12 appearances with the Los Angeles Dodgers. ERA well over seven with us, 138 in L.A. And and maybe my dud shouldn't be Hein Bloom. Maybe it should be Dave Bush because that guy just he he can't figure out anyone. But uh, I'm kid I'm kidding about the dud. The stat was real. He's Brazier's really crushing it out there. But my my dud is gonna be uh, Cutter Crawford, and um, Crawford hasn't really looked good as of late. And I think this is kind of closer to the real Cutter Crawford. Uh, my expectations were not high for him this season. He had a couple of blips early on and then kind of settled in. And we've needed him to give the performances he, he had during that good run, you know, with all the injuries we've had. And now I think the league is kind of catching up to him. And he's not a guy that's really going to blow you away. And if he can't, you know, paint the corners and, uh, you know, get guys to swing and miss. What is he? You know, he, he's a fringe major leaguer. And, uh, you know, this is a Mets offense that really couldn't do much with anyone else. You know, Paxton gave up two earned. Uh, Murphy gave up. Well, Garza gave up three. But, I mean, he's obviously the worst pitcher on our 40-man roster right now. Um certainly worse than Crawford, 
But Crawford was the one guy that the Mets really got to. Uh, and, you know, he's not going quite as deep in the games. The punch outs aren't what they were uh, earlier in the season. So, you know, the Red Sox really need Chris Sale and Tanner Houck to, to hurry up and get back before, uh, you know, bef- before the floor really drops out. I had to look up the Ryan Brazier one because I didn't think there was going to be yet another Boston Red Sox that was going to enjoy pitching outside or playing outside of Boston. That that brings the list of former Red Sox that are just dominating in L.A. to four. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, or excuse me, no, Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, Ryan Brazier, that's three, unless I'm missing one because we have a, a lot of former Dodgers now playing for the Red Sox. I think it's just the three of them, if I'm not mistaken. Well, Kike could be going back there. That's what the rumors are. I don't think that's going to happen. If, if he goes anywhere, if he leaves Boston, that's the only team that I think people would be cool with because I think if you if you trade or let go of, of Mookie Betts, Oh, sorry, not Mookie Betts. Uh, with Kike Hernandez, you're you're literally just you're you're alienating any future stars from wanting to come to Boston. It's just it's a bad look if we end up letting him go. But that's that's insane. Um, wow, wow. Uh, Cody, anything you wanted to add to that first bit? Yeah, he has been trending um, in a manner that is not obviously. Uh, burgeoning confidence, right? You know, he's kind of the guy we're like, okay, we got a third starter. You know, he's put together a nice little season so far. We can definitely say he's he's pitched better than we've expected. Um, he's never really – I think this is probably – if we were to look it up, I, you know, my, my internet's running a little slow here. I apologize. Um, this might have been one of his worst starts uh, since kind of that Pirates start, right? Uh, when I was watching that game – I think he got Alonzo out in the second inning and Alonzo said something to Alvarez and immediately thereafter, there was hard contact after hard contact, loud outs. And then those two run, two run home runs started coming. So I don't know if there was something that the Mets maybe picked up on him when he was pitching, if he was tipping or in some capacity. Um, I was unable to watch the game with sounds. So I don't know if they made any mention of it on the broadcast, but um, you know, maybe that's something that the team can go back and look for, uh, you know, probably not Dave Bush. Looking at you, Terry. Um, but uh, maybe, you know, it was just a, fl- a fluke occurrence and they spotted something. They they were able to pick up on something and, and that's why they were able to get him for a couple of runs. Um, hopefully that's the case because we can't really afford <laughs> for him to not really be taking the ball every, uh, you know, fifth day for us. His outing with Texas was brief. You know, he gave up seven hits, three earned and four innings and um only struck out uh where are we only yeah only three strikeouts uh in that outing and um Colorado you're going back to June with that one that wasn't uh super spectacular either so we'll see I mean he's not going to lose his rotation spot though that's for sure uh until we we get some of those guys back but Charlie yeah he's gonna yeah he's gonna continue he's gonna continue in the rotation because I mean, lest we forget, like, yes, the, the Mets' performance was ugly. The Texas one wasn't beautiful, but he threw one, a lot of one hit in six innings against the Cubs, struck out nine in that game. So there is magic there. It's just how do we make lightning strike with him? Because he's had these moments. He's had these games where 
He looks like he can get it. Like Minnesota, six hits, five innings. We're just going down the line. He's had more ugly appearances than than good ones, and and maybe people are going to call that six inning appearance against Chicago outlier. But at the present moment, with the condition, the state of the Boston Red Sox, he's not leaving the rotation. There's just there's no way. It's it's just not going to happen. Um, anything else we want to add on Cutter Crawford? So my dud, and literally part of me wanted the dud to be. Uh, Carlos Fables over at third base, who just seemed like an absolute hot mess. My dud for this one was Jorge Alfaro. Uh, it, I'd need to take a second to like process this again because I have to relive the moment in my brain when Jaron Duran in the fourth inning and in a two-run lead throws the ball home and Jorge Alfaro misses the second misses the second base like completely fires an absolute wild pitch in the center field past Jaron Duran that goes all the way to the warning track allowing Neil to score along with the two runners that were already on base we're now losing 3 to 2 because of a you just couldn't hold the damn ball you are not a defensive gem you can't hit worth a damn you're literally hitting 149 on the year. I really don't know why we felt, oh, yeah, we need to get a Jorge Alfaro. Honestly, I think it was because of that one moonshot he hit in Worcester. That's literally it. I, I just, this guy is not it. It's, I, I don't want to see him again. And, you know, I, I get it. Connor Wong isn't great. He's not the most spectacular. He's not the, the sexiest catcher that Major League Baseball has to offer. But Jesus, Al Faro, please don't let him catch again. That was absolute brutality. People are going to be running on that arm at will because they know there's a 50% chance that ball is going to go into center field. I just, I don't want to see it again. Uh, Cody. I bet, you know, Duran was just thrilled that the reason he was chasing a ball to the wall in center wasn't his fault this time. Um yeah, those uh, the fundamentals were on full display uh, this weekend uh, in an unfortunate matter. You know, game two obviously reared its ugly head with the Alfaro throw. And, you know, you can deal with those. Well, maybe not that play in particular, but you can deal with some defensive miscues if he's swinging a hot bat and he just hasn't kind of propped up his his uh, value with the lumber at this point. So um, definitely worthy of being on the dud list. Um not really a lot to say. I guess, you know, it kind of just makes us grateful for for Connor Wong. Terry. Not a ton to add. I mean, I, I don't really know what the fallback option would have been once McGuire went down. The good news is he is going to be back within uh, two to three weeks, I think, from that oblique injury. So, uh, I don't think Al Faro is long for this team, but I, I think he will continue to be, you know, put at catcher, you know, one every three or one every four games uh, just to keep Wong from completely breaking down. But I think you're seeing why every team seems to give up on him because he was once a, a highly touted prospect in the Marlins system. And, uh, you know, he's bounced around and, uh, you know, I think his defensive woes at catcher have really hurt him. Uh, he had a cup of coffee with the Colorado Rockies earlier this year, got called up, but I think they were uh, 
um, using him primarily as a DH. So um, the Red Sox, when they called uh, when they called him back up to bring him back, I, I guarantee you they had to assure him that he would, in fact, be catching some games. Because why come all the way back to Boston? Uh, you know, just to be jerked around a little bit more. We we messed up on that one too. I, I think that was an absolute awful, awful bring back. That just was an absolute mess. And I I'm I'm over this so hard. I don't I don't want to see him catch any more games. If that's if that's the production and that's the the level of skill that we're gonna have behind the plate, you're gonna be able to give for runners on first base a free free bag. Because they know that if if that's the am the the arm that he's going to be using to to throw to, down a to second base, I mean that's that's a noodle arm. You're going to run on that all day. He's not a threat. And assurances aside, if if we're going to be shipping PK Hernandez because people seem to forget that he's still a decent player if he can come off the bench every once in a while, what the hell's Alfaro doing here? Like if you're going to be calling for Kike to be gone. You've lost any ounce of credibility or sense if you think that Alfaro should still be here. I, I just, I think if you're trying to ship out Kike and, and keep Alfaro, you're an idiot. So that's that's my two cents on that one. Anything else you just want to add on that guy? Cool. Um, dishonorable mention for this one. The real glaring one was Garza. He allowed three runs in two thirds of an inning. Uh, all all three earned there. That was brutal. That almost became a situation where after you know, what we thought was going to be, okay, cool. Sure. Bet we're, we're winning this game. We're now up eight to three. We allow three runs in the top of the ninth. And we actually almost allowed the New York Mets to get back into this one. So for me, that was the major dud outside of him. I, I, I couldn't really think of any others, anything else you two want to add? Well, with Garza, I mean, He's brutal. Of, of of all the dumpsters we picked, we picked the Anaheim Angels dumpster. So, I mean, there you go. Uh, if you want to look back at it, this guy's an ERA of 23 in the month of July. He's only had three appearances. The last time he did not allow a run in an appearance was June 19th. Each of the last five appearances and six of the last seven, he's allowed at least one run. And four, four of those six appearances, he's allowed two or more. This guy doesn't have it. I mean, he's got to just be like an innings eater and and a blowout one way or the other kind of game, right? Because he kept he keeps getting put into a situation or keeps getting put into the games, and like you mentioned, he just doesn't have it. Um, you know, maybe he needs to go down to to AAA again, retool some things. Uh, maybe we can find something, or maybe you know he goes to that other team in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, it, it's it, he he creates uh, something out of nothing quite often, and not in a good way. Yeah, I'm I'm over this experiment too. He he can go. I'm done. Uh, anything else either one of you gents want to add? Right on. Well, that is going to do it for all of us tonight. We want to thank all of our loyal listeners and our first time listeners as well. We appreciate all of you. Everyone have a great night. Take care. <laughs>